Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Gabriel Cohen, CEO of Audio Design Desk on the role of music in content creation. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Gabriel Cohen, a filmmaker and musician and the CEO of Audio Design Desk. Welcome, Gabe. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I think this is an interesting topic. I I saw this when it was proposed, uh, you know, Talking about the role of music in content creation. And this is something I think a lot about. And um, in fact, um, you know, early on in like the web meetings and trying to do webinars. And remember when like 15, 20 years ago, it was relatively new and there were tools that were out there. WebEx was out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you had as Microsoft actually bought and created live meeting, but it was Placeware was before that. And I, I, one of them published a just kind of a guide on creating successful meetings. And it said, look, you can have failed video. Um, it, you can have failure like to share the slides and things. But the most important aspect you can't lose is the sound. And so if you have good quality sound and can't see anything, can't see a face, can't see a slide, you can move forward with sound. It's it is the most important part of that meeting, the, that content, that you know, that that experience. I, I couldn't agree more, obviously. But also, there have been studies on this as it relates to uh, to movies. There was a, a a test that was done on two audiences. They watched the same exact movie, and one audience, the visuals went out and the audio stayed. The other, the sound went out and the visual stayed. When the sound went out and the visual stayed, people got up after less than 30 seconds to go see what's happening. When the visual went out and the sound remained, people sat there for six minutes. So you get a sense of how important sound is, and yet sound is often, you know, the uh, (laughs) the afterthought uh, for a lot of for a lot of creators. It just makes me think of like when I was when I was a kid, uh, my dad loved going and finding the cassette tapes of the old uh, uh, radio era shows, like The Shadow and that mm. stuff. And I just remember sitting and listening to them. Of course, the the effort they put into the sound effects and somebody walking across the room and the you know, the, the drama around that. But, um, and, and that's why it, it, it's such an important, you know, aspect of that. Like we just, we just did a series of videos and the video company that did it did visually was, fantastic and they put this dated 80s guitar hair metal sounding generic it was just awful it just it wrecked the whole mood of this excellent content and it was just in the background but this just so dated and bad and and so it's like what do you want it's like i don't know something slightly more modern something more on the techno side of things you know but to kind of fit in but from this era you know (laughs) 100 uh well speaking to a couple things you just said 
my my grandfather um, was a radio producer and made a whole bunch of shows and ultimately became the president of CBS. And uh, so comes from comes from that world. And I had a similar situation with my father, who would always play me these serials, you know, and you'd get completely immersed. And it's interesting. Obviously, podcasting is a big deal. And so we have our kind of modern take on listening to to um, things that are episodic or, or shows like this as well, or obviously audio really matters. Um, but there is a magical way in which when you're hearing the audio and there are no visuals, you're mind sort of like reading you get to you know make up what it is that you would be seeing and your brain kind of follows those things and obviously music is a huge part of it and i'd also argue that the ambiences the background noise the subtlety there's like all of these details that are easy to overlook until you analyze it and you go oh it was that wind in the background that really brought me into that moment as they were walking into the you know apartment building or whatever um right yeah, I, I had an experience as a, uh, my background was in music first, and then I became a filmmaker. And my, the first film that I directed, I, I'm somebody that needs a deadline. I have to have a deadline to get things done. So I called everybody I knew and I said, you know, in a month from now on Friday and Saturday, I'm having these screenings of my movie. And I had not yet edited the movie, but I had a month, yeah. right? And I had all these people, they're coming, so I, it better be good. So I spent the next month, 20 hour days, you're editing, right? The first, that Friday, a group of people come in and they're watching the first cut of the movie and I'm in the back of the room and it's just not playing. It's like people aren't laughing in the right spots. They're not screaming in the right spots. I'm not engaged. It was like a total me in the back, just sweating. Everybody was very nice about it. But on the, when I read the grades, they weren't great. And I had another screening the next night. So I had to do something to make it better. And all I had time to do was to add these ambiences, add things like, you know, the ocean and a scene on the beach and the room tone and the in the scenes that are in rooms. And I added footsteps and a couple of other sound effects. And the next night, everybody laughed at the right spots. They screamed at the right spots. The only thing that I changed were the ambiences and some details with sound. And it was a real learning lesson for me about the importance of having great sound just to immerse people in the story that's being told. Yeah, that well, I'm I'm fascinated to to follow where this goes. As somebody who, like, look, I I was never professionally trained. I had friends like a friend that I was talking about earlier, um, who became a folio artist and got his master's degree in music composition. Very talented musician and does has done other things. And he was one of these like a techno synth guy that went on tour with all these trip hop rappers and he's doing all the bad like it's like amazing i just like i didn't realize you were into that kind of music at all but he's just like he does all the ambience the other stuff and because they do whatever they do and they're talented that that side of it and he just sets the whole vibe for that thing but together it's just a very different sound so it was very much a a collaborative you know multiple multiple styles together and touring all over northern north america doing that kind of stuff but um the I'm excited to see where AI is going with this space. Like I, so I, I'm one of those, like I, I was in my early twenties saying in an alt rock, you know, band in Northern California, we were gigging every weekend. I just, I love that. I, I actually, when people ask, cause I speak a lot at conferences around the world on collaboration technology, people are like, don't you get nervous? I'm like, no, I kind of burned that out of me from mm -hmm. being the lead singer of a band. You do that for a couple of years up on stage in front of everybody. And we would did all original. I'm like, mm -hmm. you kind of lose those inhibitions. You're like, it's, it's, 
like I, I'm very comfortable up in front of a, a crowd because of that experience. Yeah. But one of the things, so I'm, I'm passionate about music. I'm a music collector. Like, I, I don't know, like I, I'm a, I'm like, uh, say I'm, I'm the world's largest Duran Duran fan. I'm uh, very much an eighties new wave music guy. So yeah. I collect, I don't know if you know who Peter Murphy is. Like I'm, he was the lead singer of Bauhaus. Oh, you know, just like uh -huh. the goth Kings, you know, kind yeah. of things. And, yeah, but, and, but anyway, so uh, like music is like when we're done, the music gets turned back up when we're done with this recording, like music playing all day long, that, that side of it. Mm -hmm. And when I have certain themes, like if I'm concentrating on something, I've got like Brian Eno, Harold Budd, I've got the more mm -hmm. kind of the compositional new mm -hmm. age, you know, very organic new age music playing when I'm trying to i'm just like inspiring and it, it'll be like uh, i'll have in dran dran tepesh mode you'll know, be something that's more upbeat something to just kind of get me to let go of whatever i'm getting stuck on and enjoy that and then ideas come to me so i've i've always used music that way to help me focus or to unfocus so that i can come back to it and that's where a lot of breakthroughs happens when you're able to let go of it stop you know focusing so much and kind of let your your mind move away and come back and and i so i do think about that with content about what what is happening what's the lead in what's the background how does it bring these pieces together it's not with that outdated 80s guitar hair metal rock that this production company did it's not the way to bring anybody together. No, they uh, they were clearly focused on the visuals. And you're so right about sound. I mean, I'm not an expert on the science, but um, we, we've worked with a company called Sound Mind. And that company um, did a study with um, Notre Dame, USC, and the Marine Corps. And the study focused on the effects of sound on um, soldiers who had had, had PTSD. And what the study showed was a three-year study. It's a, a, a big thing. I don't know how well published it is, but what it showed is that the effects of the right kind of sound on these individuals that suffered from this condition were more beneficial for them than medication. Hmm. So, I mean, that speaks to, right? I mean, and what you're saying is with music, like it can pump you up, like athletes listen to music before a game. A lot of people when they're speaking, like you do listen to stuff that pumps them up. We also listen to things that calm us down. We listen to things that make us happy, right? That make us dance. Like the, the, the emotional impact of sound and of music, um, I would argue is, is much higher than our, the emotional impact of visuals. I think just empirically. And yet, you know, because it's rare that I look at an image and it brings me to tears or that it brings me laughter. It happens occasionally. But with music, uh, there is something that's kind of built into who we are. And without going too deep into it, I also think that it's sort of a universal reality when you talk about sound waves and the way that the planets are spinning. We've got <laughs> waves and gravity and, and uh, all of that is uh, connected to the way that sound is and the way that i think we experience sound too well it's interesting and maybe you could talk maybe this is a good time for you to talk about uh you know what your company audio design desk does so i've got some other questions of kind of where things are going maybe we start there so we have a foundation of what you focus on and then i'll ask my next batch of questions 
Sure. So, so yeah, so my background, um, I got signed right out of high school to Geffen Records and I got to tour and play with some of my heroes. I played bass for Jackson Brown and Ry Cooter, Robbie Robertson, the Tower of Power, and kind of got to see the world as a young person who was, it was amazing. I mean, I wasn't being paid much, but when you're 18, what do you get, you know, and you're getting to go all over the world and you're getting a per diem and they're feeding you and you have a place to yeah. stay. It was like amazing. Yeah. Um, and somewhere in there, I got hired by a guy named Roger Corman to score a movie. And through that process, Roger, um, who makes a lot of low budget films, gives you full access to the to the set, to the writer's room, to the right. It's like sort of a big collaborative thing because no one's really getting paid. And I fell in love with filmmaking. So I went back to school. I got my master's degree in film directing and I produced over you know 20 feature films. And so early on in that process, you realize how important and how time consuming and unnecessarily challenging creating the audio for your movie is. It's entirely manual, whether you're in Pro Tools, you know, these applications I love, I don't mean to be putting them down, but if you're in Pro Tools or if you're in, you know, Premiere or Final Cut Pro, it's an entirely manual process creating the mm -hmm. audio. And so about six years ago, gosh, maybe almost seven years ago now, I was doing a trailer to one of our movies and I was going through that manual process and I just had it. I was like, why do I have to go manually find each one of these sounds, guess at if the sound is gonna work with the visual, drag it in, trim it up, move it over, untrim it, listen to it. It's not right, you gotta go through the process again. I'm like, we're in the era of machine learning and AI, like we can do something better. So I stayed up all night and I drew a big schematic of something that I called sonic intelligence. And by coincidence, a dear high school friend of mine, a guy named Sam Music, who had a company called Elephant Sound, um, was mastering all of his new work out of my studio. So he comes in the next day and he sees this schematic. He's like, what's that? I said, that's how I'm solving sound for visuals. I've sort of jokingly said that. And he's like, Gabe, I have 10,000 sounds I'm about to put out through my Warner deal. Like, I love this idea. What, what, what if we really did it? Well, it turned out my college roommate had become a big programmer, early stages of YouTube and Apple TV and bunches of other things, and is a genius music composer. So I sent him, the, I made, took a photograph of that schematic and I sent it to him. And he said, actually, I think that this idea could work. And about six weeks later, we had a, just a little proof of concept. Like, could this concept work in terms of sound, having an understanding of what it is, what makes up what the sound is, and also where it's meant to connect with visuals. Um, so the process, so it took us another couple of years to build the product and put the put all the sounds together and things. And we launched, uh, you know, we got into South by Southwest 2020, which was, I think, the first major event to be shut down by COVID. But we did show it one time right before then at, at NAMM. And uh, it just went great. Uh, a company called Music Tech, a magazine called Music Tech, picked us up and they did a test between our product and other DAWs. And they said, you know, it's 12 times faster. That was the very first thing we got. So they had yeah. done two minutes of audio at Audio Design Desk and it, they had done 10 seconds in what they called another program. It was, I, we now know it was Pro Tools. Um, so, so that was very encouraging. And then we started sort of winning awards and getting, you know, onto more and more shows and were used by Netflix, Amazon, HBO Max, Hulu, you know, we're used on the new Mission Impossible movie on Transformers, on uh, uh, Stranger Things. Um, and you're right, like the, the, in terms of the technology that we're using, everything in Audio Design Desk has been developed internally. 
Uh, and of course, in the last year and a half, the true AI has has really been uh, coming to the forefront where you're able to have access to all of these open source models. And then basically, if you can dream it, you can build it. So you start to look at the models, you test the models on Hugging Face, which is probably something that you do as well. Uh, it, um, and then if you can kind of put the pieces together manually, then you can go to a programmer and you can say, okay, now automate this process. And a lot of what we're building now, I mean, you can, we have text to music, text to sound effects. You can type in the what happens in the scene that you're watching and it'll make the music for it. Uh, we have other applications where you can speak to any character from any TV show or movie. And so we're building all of the, and they can, all of them can become educators. You can turn, you know, Yoda into your math tutor uh, in one of our applications. So it's this incredible moment of, technology i know that's not related to audio but just speaking generally about audio about about uh artificial intelligence um it's this incredible moment where we are in the wild west and we are just no one knows what this stuff can do we're you know we're only a year in not even a year in to chat gpt changing the world well, the, the, that's part of it, too, is that what you have, I mean, look, there's major disruption that's happening in the production houses. You've got like the streaming services that are coming in and it's it's even changing. And I realize, uh, you know, here here we are in uh, late 2023 and there's uh, right or strike aside, there's there's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the streaming services are struggling with that, too, where I think that they. I think they made the mistake of trying to replicate what the big production film production houses were doing and realizes that, well, that's not going to be scalable for, you know, just the, the modern area era. It's all coming down closer, but I, I don't know the last time you've gone and looked at some of these fan made, like if you think of like the star Wars realm, fan made films, like the high quality of yeah. what they're able to go and produce with these things. It's yeah. pretty incredible. And I think we're moving towards this, this place where, I can with my, you know, capture some video with my iPhone uh, and move it up and do things with it that will be, I can capture video with my iPhone in 4K and do a bunch of things and come up with this high quality things. It, I, I mean, I think back, I had a, a, it was a Kodak, what was it? It was a, it was a Kodak. It was, it looked like a, it was, it was a little video camera that it wasn't, it wasn't 4k. It was before then. So this is like 10 years ago, the little Kodak on the fly, little camera thing. And I would capture these things. I would go and the sound quality. Wasn't fantastic. If you were right next to it, mm -hmm. you know, there was no attachment for another microphone to it, but I would go to events and I would do these little recordings and people all the time would say, um, like be amazed at the quality of it. And I learned very quickly, like, I had to find a spot that was out of the ambient noise of the of the mm. expo hall at this conference, mm. interview somebody over off the side. The lighting had to be good for it to come out nice and clear. There were a lot of things that were very sensitive about it. Uh, and But I would edit, funny enough, I would use Windows Live Movie Maker, whatever the free Windows 7 tool was, and I would use that uh, to edit these things. And people were like, oh, the quality of that. I'm like, well, I, I had a decent little video clip. I had high res images that I went and, and morphed into it. Uh, and then I was using, funny enough, you know, MS Paint and Windows Live Movie Maker. 
Um, so I, I wanted to spend no money and pull this together and do these short little two, three minute videos, interviews, ask people one question thing. And, and people like amazed by that to, to be able to go and do something now, you know, where it, it, it does look like it's professionally produced. If you've again, have the quality components, um, you know, and having a decent microphone, if you've got a nice camera, I've got a, like a very expensive, you know, 8k video camera that I don't use enough that I'm not getting what I, the value that I paid for it, but I have it to go and do that and does beautiful video. Um, I can do the cinematic. I've got all the lenses for it. And then mm -hmm. with the nice, you'll get all the, the pieces what's then missing to be able to edit that together and to bring all the parts together. And that's what excited me by looking at what you guys are doing is not only the kind of the, the, the portfolio of sound effects themselves. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize too, with movies, they strip a lot of the stuff out and everything's additive. All oh, of those little sounds. Yes. Um, and, uh, and sometimes even the primary audio, the, the conversations, they'll even go back. Uh, you know, not all the time, but, but every other sound walking across, moving the sheet, lightsaber sounds, all those things obviously are all added to that, but we're very close to having that process. And you talk about like the music as well, scoring your own five minute company video mm -hmm. so that you've got a filler epic orchestral sound to help drive the theme of whatever message you're trying to bring home. A hundred percent. And with technologies like Gen 1, I don't know if you've checked them out, but you can do like, you can take that 8K video that you shot or something you shoot on your iPhone. You can select a person and you can say, I want that person to be a robot. And I want the robot to look like this. And you would not believe, I mean, it's better than movies were 10, even 10 years ago in terms of the quality of it. You turn a little bit, it's got an understanding of like kind of, 3d and how, where it is and is the character out of focus it's really amazing and we're it at the beginning of this right i mean five years from now i have a six-year-old son and i often put him to bed he likes this little app we have called talk to where you can go on journeys so like the other day i hope it's okay to say this he he made a character called the fart monster and then the fart monster took us on this journey and it was it was hysterical, but my, my son was asking me about like, how do you build these apps? Like you have this whole team, how, how, how is it that you do it? And I was explaining to him by the time he's 12, by the time he graduates from sixth grade, if he can think it, he's gonna be able to make that application. Because already what we are able to do with two programmers is something no one could do two years ago. You couldn't have a hundred yeah. programmers and do it. And so all of these technologies, another, another one that came up as you were speaking, um, is the ability to um, strip sounds in into its pieces. So like Peter Jackson's uh, Get Back film made this sort of famous, did you see it? Um, the, yeah, the Beatles. I did. Yeah, of course. And so, yeah. Of course, yes, yeah. I, watched yeah. it, I watched it a couple of times. Um, yeah. <laughs> but one amazing. of the moments that's so incredible is when uh, Paul and John don't know they're being recorded and it's like there's a microphone hidden in like a flower pot on a table or whatever. And the audio was never, you could never make out what they were saying before. And he happened to be making this film right at the time that this technology is able to identify voices. And it doesn't do anything like what we're used to with EQ and compression stripping things out. It understands the sounds of the drums and the sounds of the bass. And suddenly you can take a stereo recording. We have a 
product called Isolator that does this. You can take a stereo recording of a band and you can turn it into a multi-track recording and isolate the bass, isolate the guitar, isolate your vocal, isolate the drums. And especially with vocals and drums, it's you can't believe it, how good it is. Mm. I mean, the vocal is so good. It's so good at stripping the vocal. It'll also bring in the the reverb or the delay of the vocal but you hear no drum no rest of the band it's like wow. a magical thing so in your context where you were looking you had that great camera but you're like in the back of the room and you're trying to find somewhere where the sound won't be terrible now you would be able to run that sound through you know one of our tools or black magic makes a great tool too and you'd be able to really just isolate those voices and then you can use other techniques to make the voices sound close and suddenly you know, even though you don't have a full camera crew and a boom operator and, a you know, lab microphones, you'd be able to rival people who did a year from now. I mean, even right now, but it's in its infancy text yeah. to, vi to, to video a year from now, you're going to be able to type in what I, you know, a person walking on the moon with a horse and a clown. And it will look, you know, it'll be, you know, probably 1080p a year from now and 4K two years from now. And it'll, be, you know, it's being produced faster and faster. And even the images that are coming out now are really impressive. So I, I'm excited just pivoting into like what makes gets me up in the morning, what this is going to do for human creativity. I mean, yes, there's a business opportunity too, but what this will do for human creativity is it's going to democratize right. the idea. Anyone that has a smartphone is going to be able to make these things and they'll be incredible. Well, you know, and, and an important part of this too is I'm saying going in and looking at your, your company site. So audio design desk, going in and looking at well, the first things I go and look at, because look, again, my, my experience, I'm like, a, a, you know, a, not a composer. I'm not mixing stuff, remixing stuff. Like I've got friends that did that. I, all I remember is I remember he was using pro tools and cakewalk back in the day, but it's still, that was hundreds of dollars. I remember how much it was six to $800 for the program around that. And now I, you know, to go and look at the pricing, I mean, even your pro version of it is what, like 30 bucks a month on the month, a month, mm -hmm. you know, for it. Um, I mean, everything is affordable to go in and do this. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's an important part of the democratization. It's one, the technical capabilities for the, for the ability to go in and, and build this. Um, and that where you don't have to be, I mean, a lot of, a lot of technology, and again, I work in the information management space. So a lot of it, they say, oh, it's just easy. It's the, uh, you know, it's, it's for the builders. It's for the creators that are out there. And you go in and they show you the basic few things. And then the next step up as you're learning is a huge step up. Like you have mm -hmm. to learn the basics of coding. You have to understand the, to, to build the logic around it. It's, it's, it's a not a small undertaking to learn a lot of these low code no code solutions over in that space so there is opportunity to part of the democratization is to make it as easy as plug and play to to go in and build these pieces like if for me to go in like right now i'm so i do my post production installing uh camtasia because I got it all for free. I've been using it for years. I'm familiar with it. I realize that there's fancier tools and there's things that are out there. But if I was able to go in and just add in my raw video of this, this interview, and there are audio tools that are out there now. In fact, uh, uh, TechSmith has a tool called, I think it's Audiate, that mm -hmm. does the full transcript. And so you get a video with the audio, it gives you the full transcript. If you edit the text, 
not only will it, if I remove the ums and ahs, I can remove an entire sentence, but then the AI component of it will go and merge where the cuts happen. So you never know that that sentence was there, or I might add a sentence. And based on the rest of that, the AI will make the video and the audio. I believe that's the way that it works. I've got a friend that is huge advocate for, for audio around that. But anyway, the AI is able to go and fill that gap. And it's able to understand and replicate your voice. You can type in the text of that you want and it will replicate. There's a great tool called Descript that does this uh, as well. Um, and and beyond that, also it can analyze what we're talking about. It could The way that you go to ChatGPT and you say, summarize this for me, you can say, summarize this and it will edit a two minute version of this conversation that we're having, which will be you know a half hour, 45 minutes. It's that's it's really yeah. That's incredible. the worst. Uh, well, I would say the worst part. The worst part of uh, for as a as a non editor to go in with the video that I create is exactly that to create the minute version, the thirty second version, or to pull out the most salient clips around that to go and edit and pull that together. If it can automate that process, would be incredible. Totally, right. we're already there. So I, I, yeah, it's it's uh, well. It's, uh, so much of this is that there are so many different tools that are out there uh, that are do like one or two aspects of what we're talking about. Like you have to experiment. You have to be, you know, you hear about this, go check it out, try it. Most products have like a free version, a limited trial of that just to say, hey, is this, does this fit in with the way that I work? Is this something that would help me? So constantly experimenting. I've got, I think I've got, 30 tabs open in this browser and another 30 on that one. Half of them are AI products that I've seen. I've seen ads for, I'm like, I need to go check this out. It's generally what happens over the weekend is I'm following up on these tabs that are still open to go and experiment. But I, I am interested in knowing, uh, you know, in, cause this is changing, you know, like the amateur video production and it's a content creation process. Um, uh, you know, uh, so you're, I mean, I, I don't know how much this is evolving what YouTube was, is, um, if you're seeing these kinds of tools and solutions, is it really permeating into YouTube and into TikTok yet, or is it still the professional class, the people doing bigger video production efforts that are using these kinds of solutions? I think it's a mix. I think, you know, it's interesting because uh, we were in a couple of accelerators and you constantly hear about the creator economy and YouTubers. And I quickly realized these are filmmakers, right? Like a YouTuber is somebody who thinks of themselves as a filmmaker. And so, some filmmakers realize the impact and the importance of sound. And you do see Marquise Brownlee, for example, really cares about his sound. There's a bunch of other sort of famous YouTubers who every transition, it's subtle. It's not like overt and in your face with the sound, but it's there. And it's part of what brings you in, you know, immerses you in whatever story they're telling or whatever review they're doing. Often it's a review or it's, a, you know, it's a conversation, but they have transitions between the pieces of the conversation uh, and they use sound to great effect. Um, these these uh, young filmmakers. I think that what YouTube is doing right now, I have some access to, to 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 seeing what they're up to, and obviously they have the world's biggest data set in terms of visuals and sound. 
And so as, and they're Google. <laughs> so they got a, a, a very um, keen focus on being able to use AI to automate the vast majority of what is currently manual, meaning making the background music for you, you type in whatever the thing is and they boom it, there it is in your video, uh, cost free. This obviously creates some issues around like, well, what happens to musicians? How are musicians going to make money? How do we do this ethically? What are some, what is the, what was the data that it was trained on? Are the people whose data was trained to create that background music in an instant being compensated for it? Did they agree to have their work? And of course, there's all sorts of issues as it relates to fair use and the current law of fair use says specifically that you, you can use any data, any text, any visuals, any uh, audio for study. Well, what are these models doing? They're studying. They're not holding the audio or the or you know in the case of the silver sarah silverman uh, uh lawsuit you know against chat against open ai they're not holding on to her sentences it just saw the, it saw her sentences it noticed them it did pattern recognition and then it created a model that kind of understands how that happened so mm -hmm. ultimately i mean i guess i'm veering off in terms of our conversation but in terms of the laws are going to have to change the you know, we've got a long way to go. And I think that, you know, the United States is not the fastest at, at doing this stuff. You see what's happening in the UK and there be, yeah. I was on a panel a uh, day before yesterday on a, at the sync summit for the UK and they're already writing the new laws. They're already, you know, really taking this new uh, moment seriously uh, because it's going to have a dramatic impact on on musicians, on uh, you see the actor strike, the writer strike, all of this is around fear, around AI. And the one thing that I would say, if I had a voice to the to my writer friends, I would say the WGA should build a model and they should license that model to Netflix and to Amazon and to Hulu and to Peacock and to all the rest of the people. They should say, you know what? We're not going to be afraid of AI. We're going to yeah. embrace AI. We're going to own AI and we're going to build the best model there is because we're the writers guild. We have all the writers. We have all the data. They have a data set and they don't even know how valuable it is. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I feel like what? they have an opportunity and they're, they're acting out of fear instead of out of feeling like, wait a minute, this is a real opportunity where we can be thinking about our future and be thinking about new ways to monetize old content, et cetera. Is it, I mean, you know, I, and I'm trying to remember, and this is, so I have a good friend of mine in the nineties that actually created, uh, his dad was a, a Netscape executive and he created the first streaming music radio station online, oh, wow. uh, in the late nineties. It was called, uh, uh, what is it? Radio free, uh, music. Yeah, I think it was, radio free music anyway um so streaming it and, and how he got around he did all the battles with what is it riaa and you know the music the licensing and all that kind of stuff he paid bmg and, and like all that like a like a radio station but he got away with a lot of it because of like some of the fair use like using clips of us that had to be like i don't know was it under 30 seconds he would build remixes um, and he was he was a musician too so he would he would like DJ and other stuff. And he was in the, the, the Bay area and was, was part of a band. And so doing this on the side and, but had paid advertisers was making money, um, got sued, won the lawsuit because of the way like, Oh yeah, it was a big deal. Radio free underground. That's what it was. Um, mm -hmm. and I still have some of his remixes, um, somewhere, but, 
um, you know, going through all that, but the, for the music industry, like they were more forward thinking and thought about these, all of these other usages. Now, whether the artists are actually getting cash out of that, but the industry figured it out. And I don't know <clears> if, it, if that kind of is a comparison to what like the writers guild is, is battling right now where they just need to come together and figure out a model, the license so they get something that's, that's out of that. But I'm, I think with all of this and going back to where we kind of started you know, with the changes that are happening, where it's getting smaller and smaller, the capabilities of independents and they, who may call themselves filmmakers or individuals that just want to create better than just generic off my iPhone. I want to create good quality, you know, enterprise content for, you know, the, this community um, is that doing away with the traditional big budget blockbuster movie music whatever it is is it is it driving things more into the home studio with the advent of all these other tools i think well i i was lucky enough to make the first uh independent red red film the red camera oh yeah uh, which kind of came in and so uh uh they were actually really great with us they totally supported us we were shooting on an island called Martha's Vineyard like that you know when anything broke they were they were on it because we were basically beta testing their their platform but I remember talking to a friend of mine right, right after we shot that and of course one of the advantages of shooting on red is you could shoot 4k it was I think the first camera that you could shoot 4k but also all of a sudden you're not limited to 12 minute takes you know from your film reels and there's all sorts of other advantages as well I remember uh, meeting with a friend of mine who was immersed in Hollywood he's a director of a lot of television shows and I was asking him how are you guys still on film? It's so much more expensive. You have to deal with all of this BS and what, and you have these really tight deadlines. You have to shoot an hour of television in a week. And he said, he said, Gabe, you know, there's a, we trust it. The reason that we can't switch is because we're a, we're a giant ship and you can't just turn. Like we know that the color correction works. We know how to do it. And the yeah. big companies have to be able to rely. But sure enough, cut to, you know, 12 years later or whatever it is now. And, I don't think any of those shows are shooting on film. Maybe some, you know, Max or HBO or whatever we call it now shows are, but it, it, it's almost entirely digital. And I think that that will be a similar transition as we as the uh, quality gets better and better and better. You may have seen this South Park episode that was entirely written by this AI program. The the animation was done by it. It's worth seeing. The, the, hmm. the script was written. All of the voices took from the voices of Cartman and whoever else is on South Park. The animation was made and all it was given is two prompts. What's the subject matter and what's the location? And the subject matter was like, I don't know, ChatGPT taking over, you know, for the for writers. And it was kind of funny. But it's also, um, a pr as a proof of concept, you can see where this is going. Yeah. Uh, and so I do think that over time, it is going to make uh, uh, creating, you know, wonderful pieces, thoughtful pieces, and a lot of BS <laughs> really easy. Right, right. Well, there's, uh, I know we, we like to talk about the creation uh, process and, and, and art and things that are out there, but there's so much garbage that's produced. A it's lot of garbage. Junk. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, let me ask. So, personal question about this. Like, so, do you personally care if you're watching 
something, whether it's a, a, a short video or a longer piece, that it was AI generated and produced and all of that, uh, or it was a human writer. I mean, do you care if 20% of it was AI enabled, created, or 80% of it was done AI? Like, yeah, like, I mean, it depends on which part of me <laughs> is paying attention. Like, if I don't know, at whether it's AI right. or whether it's a person, I I don't know what I don't know. And I don't care. I, whatever's the best thing wins, right? Like if I'm most entertained by that, most inter, you know, engaged by the piece that was written by AI, then no, I don't care. Um, in, but there are a lot of other things that I do care about in terms of human jobs, you know, being right. able to feed their kids, <laughs> right. know, et cetera. Well, yeah. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, there was an interview. Somebody was asked about. Uh, so, are you? Uh, are you? You see, like the money that could be saved, the cost efficiency of if we got rid of truckers and had AI carrying freight across the country. I can't remember who answered that, but just said, uh, "Oh, you know what? I think it was somebody was interviewing Tucker Carlson, and he uh -huh. said that'd be like the worst possible thing. Like people understand, it's like the it's the most populous like job in the United States mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. trucking industry. There are more mm -hmm. people that are truckers than any other profession in the U S and mm -hmm. it would devastate our economy if we moved all that to, to AI. So I think using that as an example of like, I, I, I get it. It's it's there's reasons why, like I lived in a move from a small town. It was like under 10,000 people. Like I would go and pay more for my locally grown um, but to support that, yeah, you know, right. more of that. I was, yeah. you know, the quality was there, the people that I know that actually own the farms and wanted to help support them. And, you know, uh, you know, there, so there's that aspect of this as well. Supporting yeah, I, the creators. A hundred percent. And I, th honestly, I do think that this ultimately will benefit creators. I think that, um, Tucker Carlson respectfully hasn't thought this all the way through and those truckers are going to lose their jobs, like period, the end. They, the trucks are gonna be driving within the next 10 years. Why? It's gonna be more efficient to, but those truckers are gonna find new jobs. And that's what's happened every single time this has happened. And most recently, yeah. Uber, was Uber a good thing or a bad thing? If you're a cab driver, Uber's the worst thing in the entire world. But how many jobs did Uber provide for people? And people suddenly could be working on their own schedules, right? And Uber, I mean, listen, I'm not the champion of Uber and I don't know enough to really feel like an expert, but I, but I am seeing a pattern here and it's the same thing. Everything used to be written by hand and then the printing press came out. Well, what happened to all those people that wrote books? They were like, but it's not as beautiful. It's printing press, it's ugly. The same thing happened when we went from analog to digital. What happened to all those tape companies? They all lost their, I mean, when we went from, from going to Blockbuster to streaming and Blockbuster didn't see it coming, Blockbuster goes out of business, but then comes the rise of all of these new businesses. Right. So yeah. my position on this is that we have seen this happen a lot of times. And I think that the conventional wisdom isn't that AI is going to replace people's jobs. It's people using AI, humans using AI, who will replace humans who are not. And yeah. ultimately, I think that that's... Well, on the creator side, too, I mean, like, so I had an argument, it's funny enough, in a pub in Helsinki uh, about 10 years ago, where we were talking about uh, uh, you know AI uh, and... And robots and it was this younger guy I was, I was talking to and 
who insisted that uh, it was going to be this positive thing and 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 humans would not have to do uh, you know uh, manual labor. That Rob was, I said, well, one, I said, you don't understand human nature. Uh, those that own the robots, they'll that'll never happen to the benefit of the masses. And things but anyway, we can kind of get into that. That sure. sure. <laughs> but but um, part of the argument that we got into, or his position, was that um, like in writing of content, creating content, like well, if you found that somebody did it, like wrote this great piece, there's no need to go and write another similar piece on the same topic. I'm like, well, wait a second, two different people writing about the same topic. Um, might have completely different approaches and perspectives. A hundred people writing on the same topic will all have different life experiences, tone, message, and that and reach people that that mm -hmm. one person would never reach those other 99 people's readers mm -hmm. out there. There's value in that. I said the problem is not that we don't need less content created. We need better ways to aggregate. We need better search tools of those things. If we have more people create i mean this happened in the music industry it's a music collector in some ways because i still i still buy too much vinyl i still buy cds those, those kinds of things i'm actually i'm building a rack stereo system now that's like almost it's like 25 years old the components and i've just i'm waiting i'm actually having um uh, uh heads cleaned on a deck on a triple a triple head old cassette set i'm having the power amp and preamp cleaned um, and I had a, like a blown tube on one of them anyway, like, because I'm a vinyl guy and yeah. you, as you know, there's oh, a huge true. difference between digital and, and the, the, the vinyl, um, there is, but with all of that, it, you know, it, it's, it, it, we're creating more of this content. It means that there's more for us with a unique taste to go and find like a personalized experience around that, that content. Mm -hmm. And it's just mm -hmm. getting higher and higher quality. It gets harder. Like, uh, like I was going to ask you a question about what, like the, with the, all these tools out there, like how does, how does somebody trying to build a profile in, in YouTube or TikTok rise above all of the highly produced, you know, the, the, the YouTube stars that are out there, like how, how do you put a stake in the ground when, you know, with these people that have more resources, go and do that. We're we're kind of answering that. You're able to create something as high of quality as something that's studio produced or money funding actually behind that. Um, but I don't know if you see this. Like, how is it going to impact these streaming services? How is it going to impact YouTube and TikTok specifically? Well, I think that. Often the things that are most profitable, let's let's take out things that are super sensational, right? I mean, I love Star Wars, but I'm taking it out of this equation, although maybe not the first two movies. Uh, maybe those can stay in. Authenticity, people really respond to that. Musicians, actors, uh, uh, dancers, right? It, it, chefs, authenticity really matters. And you know, your your podcast is partly about collaboration. And I just want to say that like AI can be a great collaborator. AI can start to understand your taste and start to help bring out a better version of you. There should never be writer's block ever again. 
because you can be engaging with this tool that feels like an assistant, a partner. And same with musicians. I mean, we can right now take all of that music that you used to sing on stage and we can put that into a model and the model can analyze and understand it. And you can upload a new melody or give it a new piece of, you know, chord progression. And it will take that knowledge of the other stuff that you've made and apply it. And it can be your collaborator. And I think that that's part of the power of this moment too. I do think that there's going to be a lot of impacts in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the hope when it comes to education, when it comes to creativity, when it comes to science, medicine, uh, I do feel like we're living in a moment unlike anything I've ever seen. It's bigger than the internet. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, uh, I think more and more people are coming around to that exact sentiment that this is, uh, I mean, it's it's a major moment like the, you know, the dawn of the internet but mm -hmm. it's much bigger in the impact that it's going to have. But we, and we don't yet fully understand what that impact will be. We don't. Yeah. And that's part of what's so exciting is right. because it, and it, and it, and nerve wracking, but it's also part of what's so exciting that we don't know where it is. And so we're here, like there's so many of us that are tinkerers that are putting things together in new ways that are trying to figure it out. And suddenly you gasp and you go, oh, I could make that. I can make that happen now. You could never do that before. Yeah, it's pretty magical. Well, while the thought of Skynet is scary, I think that I can foresee when the robots start attacking, it's going to be an amazing soundtrack that'll be happening behind that. So we, I don't know if we won't care as much. It'll just be much more like, well, this is cool. I'm about to die, but how cool is this? <laughs> if it sounds good, we'll, we'll, we'll all fall in line. Yeah. Well, Gabe, I really appreciate your time. This, this has been a, a lot of fun. I mean, this is a, a, an exciting space. And I would, uh, again, highly recommend folks go out, you're listening, go go take a look at the audio design desk. This, I need to go play with this. Do, do you have a, like a Star Wars uh, uh, sound? Like, can I, can fact, I go? On the website, we have uh, the ability to change a sword fight into a lightsaber battle. So ADD. Go. ADD.app, ad.app is our domain name. Go check it out. Yeah, that because that's something. If I just go out with with my uh, with my kids and have a stick sword fight and change into lightsabers, I mean that's all. Like, hey, that's worth paying, you know, 20, 30 bucks a month to have that ability <laughs> to do that. So, Great. well, so thanks so much for your time. And uh, uh, so I know we'll have, of course, links out on the uh, podcast and on the blog that uh, over to the site and to your social and stuff. But Really appreciate, uh, great to meet you and uh, thanks for taking the time. Likewise, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published weekly and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.